In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Those are the first words we read in the book of John, and they're confusing. The Bible is filled with complex themes and ideas, all of them pointing towards the man named Jesus. But if we're going to understand any of these big ideas, we need to learn how to see clearly. In this series, we will explore how Jesus opened the eyes of his followers so that we experience the same in our day-to-day -day life. Because really, he's been there the whole time. We just don't always know where to look. Hello, welcome to Crosses Church. Today I have the privilege to read the Bible. Uh, I'm going to be reading John chapter 6 from 25 to 35. And I'm going to be using the NIV version, and I'm going to jump in uh, for Spanish, and I'm going to be using Nueva Versión Internacional. So, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then Will you give that we say we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it's writing. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now I'm going to do it in Spanish. Cuando lo encontraron al otro lado del lago, le preguntaron, Rabí, ¿Cuándo llegaste acá? Ciertamente les aseguro que ustedes no me buscan porque han visto señales, sino porque comieron pan hasta llenarse. Trabajen, pero no por la comida que es perecedera, sino por la que permanece para vida eterna, la cual les dará el Hijo del Hombre. Sobre este ha puesto Dios el Padre su sello de aprobación. ¿Qué tenemos que hacer para realizar las obras que Dios exige? Le preguntaron. Esta es la obra de Dios, que crean en aquel a quien Él envió, le respondió Jesús. ¿Y qué señal harás para que le veamos y te creamos? ¿Qué puedes hacer? Insistieron ellos. Nuestros antepasados comieron el maná en el desierto. Como está escrito, pan del cielo les dio a comer. Ciertamente les aseguro que no fue Moisés el que les dio a ustedes el pan del cielo, afirmó Jesús. El que da el verdadero pan del cielo es mi Padre. El pan de Dios es el que baja del cielo y da vida al mundo. Señor, le pidieron, danos siempre ese pan. Yo soy el pan de vida, declaró Jesús. El que a mí viene 
nunca pasará hambre, y el que en mí cree nunca más volverá a tener sed. Renee leads our Spanish service at one o'clock. So if you uh, speak Spanish, you should come on back at one. Register online. Come on back at one for three crosses. Espanol. John chapter six in this series called Can You See It? So if you haven't turned there already, you can turn to John six right now. I think it's part of the human condition that we can often become blinded by benefits. This is what I mean by that. I have this vivid memory of being in college. It was my first week of school and I was walking to campus looking at this piece of paper upon which all the books I needed to purchase were listed with their prices. And I've got this sticker shock of I've got to go and buy like $400 or $800 worth of books. How can anyone ever afford to go to college? And just then I saw right outside the bookstore a table with a sign that said something like Citibank student visa. And I had two thoughts cross my mind. The first thought was, who would ever fall for this? I like right outside the bookstore, students, helpless students like me, wondering how they're gonna afford all these books. And lo and behold, a credit card with zero interest until you graduate, a credit card with no annual fees for four more years, right? A credit card that's gonna skyrocket to 25% APR on the other side of your graduation. Who would ever be dumb enough to fill out one of those applications? That was the first thought that crossed my mind. The second thought that crossed my mind actually came out of my mouth, and it was this. Are those free t-shirts? And the lady said, yeah, 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 all you gotta do is fill out one of these applications and you can have one of these free Cal t-shirts. I'm like, are you, it's free, right? And I, and I felt the first thought floating out the side of my head while the benefit of filling out this application overwhelmed my senses. Luckily, I didn't fill out the credit card application that day, but I, I learned a valuable lesson that many of us have learned that sometimes we can be blinded by benefits, even when they're crazy, right? How many of us have gone into a car dealership and paid thousands of dollars more than we expected because they threw in $50 floor mats for free? We're blinded by the benefits. How many of us have spent way too much money because stuff was on sale at our favorite store? We came home, we said, I, I felt like I was saving money, like I'm probably richer now because I bought so much stuff that's on sale today. This benefit, the shiny thing, overwhelms our senses and we cannot see reality very clearly. Right? This is why tech companies have gyms on site and hair salons on site, right? Because the benefits can overwhelm rational thinking. Like, I'll put in 100 hours a week of work because I can go get my hair cut for free, right? Instead of getting a job where you work 40 hours a week and you can pay $9 for your haircut. At least that's what I would pay for a haircut, right? These benefits can blind our thinking, right? This is why youth groups give out free pizza, right? Because when kids hear free pizza, they might come to church and they wouldn't have come to church. Otherwise, it's part of the human condition. We want free stuff. We want perks and fringe benefits. And this is part of the ministry of Jesus as well. Jesus was someone who drew a crowd and it was not always because of the substance of himself, but a lot of times Jesus drew a crowd because of the benefits that came from hanging out with Jesus. 
Or you hang out with Jesus, you might just get healed from your ailment. You hang out with Jesus, you might see something spectacular. You hang out with Jesus, you might get free bread, right? He feeds the 5,000. There's snacks that come with hanging out with Jesus. You might catch an eye of some religious drama. You might see a miracle unfold. So much cool stuff might happen if you just hang out with Jesus. So Jesus drew these big old crowds of people and then he'd scare them all away. And then big old crowds of people and he'd scare them all away because Jesus knew that a lot of people who were hanging out with him weren't actually trying to hang out with him. They really wanted to catch a glimpse of the benefits that came from hanging out near him. And that's what we see here in John chapter six in this passage that Renee read in verse 26, Jesus confronts a crowd of people after the feeding of the 5,000. He tells them, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You don't want me, Jesus says. You want the free food that I've given out. The truth is, in this series on can you see it, can you see Jesus, and some of us are blinded and unable to see Jesus clearly because whether we know it or not, we're actually pursuing him for the benefits he provides, not for him himself. You know, there's a survey that went out a number of years back on why people go to church. And they asked people that very question. Why do you go to church? And there was a variety of answers. Check all that apply. And there was a range, right? Some people say, I go to church because I make good business connections there. And we're like, oh, that's not why you go to church, right? And then on the other side, there are people who said, no, I go to church to connect with the living God. It's like, good, that's ding, ding, ding. That's the right answer. And between those two, there were all these different check boxes, good things, benefits of the Christian life. I go to church because there's good people there. I go to church because I like the music. I go to church because my kids have fun. I go to church because I want to raise this moral foundation for my family. I go to church because it's good to go to church, right? I go to church because I love it. All amazing things. And luckily, 81% of the people who filled out the survey said, I go to church because I want to connect with the Lord. We're like, okay, good. <laughs> You're here for the right reasons. And then he asked him the question a second time. He said, okay, now this time fill out the survey, but just check one box. What's the primary reason that you go to church? And everybody answers the survey again. And I go to church to connect with the Lord dropped down like 20%. So they found that four out of 10 people come to church primarily for reasons other than connecting with the Lord. Now, the benefits that come from following after Jesus were overwhelming folks. And so they were coming to church for some of the right reasons, but for a lot of the beneficial reasons that come alongside following Christ. Now, I know none of us think that we're part of the 40%, right? You're all here, you're diehard, you're masked, you're six feet apart, right? You are here because you love the Lord and you want to be here. Awesome. Yet at the same time, I think that all of us kind of go through these different waves in life where there are times that we want to connect with the Lord for Jesus' sake and there are other times that we want something from him. There are times in our lives where we desperately just want to connect with Jesus. There are other times that we want to knock on heaven's door and say, God, I love you and all that, but really can you just answer this prayer request, right? I want something from you. We want the benefits of following after Jesus. 
even more than we want Jesus himself. And this, this vision focus is what Jesus intends to give to us in this passage in John 6 as he takes a community of people who are there for many of the wrong reasons and he dials them in and tells them, let me help you to understand the true reason you should be coming to connect with me. So if you're a note taker today, I'm gonna give you four different things that you can write down that we learned from this passage, John 6, 25 through 35 here. Number one, write this down. This is the first thing that I see in this passage. Maybe it's the first thing you saw in this passage. In this passage, the disciples are absolutely consumed with bread. I can't not see that when I read this passage. It's over and over again. Last week, we talked a little bit about seeing the world through mom eyes. Maybe this is just me seeing this text through my dad eyes, but I hear my kids' voices all throughout John chapter six because my kids are consumed with snacks. I've got my kids right there eating snacks in the front row. Peyton opened her little bag of chips when church started. And I said, I said, Peyton, why don't we stand up and worship? And she looked at me, took a chip out of her bag and said, no thanks, right? She got her snacks. She looked at my little communion cup. Hi. She looked at my little communion cup. She's like, where do I get, where do I get my soda? right? She just wants the snacks, right? Yesterday morning, I was uh, up, up in the snow with my kids, and my daughter comes down. I'm reading the Bible. It's like 5.45 in the morning, something like that. She comes downstairs, and she says, Dad, I'm hungry. I said, it's the middle of the night, right? She said, can I have a cupcake? I'm like, no, you can't have a cupcake. Go back to bed. She goes up to bed, comes back down. I'm really hungry. I'm like, okay, here's some yogurt. Goes back up, comes back down. Can I have my breakfast now? Sure, right? We make breakfast. And as I'm cleaning up breakfast, my kids start coming to me. When's lunch? I'm like, you guys got to chill about the snacks. We just ate breakfast, right? We went on a hike. I'm wearing a backpack. That's full of snacks just in case, right? And my daughter looks at me and she says, what's in the backpack? I'm like, I'm keen to your game. I'm like, it's supplies. She said, it's a surprise. Is it snacks? I'm like, I'm like, no, it's supplies. Like, it's, it's snacks in case we get lost in the woods so we don't starve. And then we start walking, and I turn around, and she's walking really slow so that we'll all, like, leave her in the dust so she gets lost and gets the snacks. I'm like, you have to chill about all the food. Absolutely consumed with food. Now, let me just clear this. We, we feed our children. That's all I need to say there but they're consumed with food. The disciples in this passage are absolutely consumed with bread, right? Read John chapter six if you don't believe me. It's over and over and over and over again. The bread, the bread, the bread, the bread, the bread. And you wanna say, just calm down about the bread. John six starts with the feeding of 5,000 and the disciples are eating this bread and it's like their eyes open, like zombie eyes. And it says that they seized Jesus at that moment and wanted to make him king by force. Like, this is the guy that gives unlimited, unlimited bread. He should be our president, right? This imagine the world that would emerge if we could all eat bread whenever we wanted Jesus for king. Because of the bread. Maybe this was a power play. Maybe they just wanted the riches that come from a, the substance of bread. There's actually, a, in, in an ancient Near East, a lot of times the price of grain kind of indicated the economy in general, like our stock market does today. So bread does symbolize wealth. It symbolizes stability. It symbolizes abundance and plenty. And so maybe these folks had their eyes on Jesus as the one who could bring us into a land of abundance. But at the same time, we get it, right? 
Jesus gives us good things and we want more of those good things. Bread represented just sustaining power in general. I think of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, give us this day our daily what? Bread, right? This was a symbol for food. It was a symbol for being okay. It was a symbol for not going to bed hungry, especially in an impoverished area like Jesus did a lot of ministry in. A person who could give you access to food whenever you wanted it was a very important person because it's hard to be hungry. And so they go to Jesus consumed with the thing that Jesus can provide them. They're consumed with this desire for bread. It's interesting to note, if kind of studying how this passage might relate to our own lives, that this is not a story of people going to Jesus for all the wrong things. Right? They're not going to Jesus for sinful power and privilege. They're not going to Jesus to murder their family. Right? They're going to Jesus for something good that Jesus does provide. We know that every good and perfect gift comes from above. We know that God brings us the food that we need. That's why it's in the Lord's Prayer. They were going to Jesus to get something from Jesus that Jesus does promise to give to his people. This was a good thing they were after. And yet we have a problem in our own lives sometimes when good things become ultimate things. When the stuff that we get from Jesus overshadows our desire for Jesus. And the truth is a lot of times, no matter where we are with the Lord at any given time in life, we run to him when there's something we want, don't we? There's an epidemiologist at University of uh, Texas in Baylor who did a study on the kind of the relationship between faith and medicine. And the question that he asked was, how many of you have ever prayed to God that he would bring healing to yourself or someone in your family? And he expected that a lot of people would say that they prayed to God. There's a lot of religious people in Texas, in America. Their prayer is a big part of our own life and times of sickness or times when we really call upon the Lord. And yet he was blown away that 90% of respondents said that at some time in my life, I have prayed to God for healing for myself or someone I love. He said, I was blown away because that number is bigger than the number of, you know, Christians in America. That seems to be even bigger than the number of people who say they believe in any God in America. So obviously there's all these atheistic people out there who say, I don't even believe in God, but sometimes I talk to him when I need something. Because whether or not we know that God exists, when we are in dire straits, he's the one we go to because we want the good things that only he can provide. What's the thing in your life that you go to God for? What's the thing that you desperately want from him? What's the thing in your life that keeps coming up as a pattern, that it's consuming to you? You keep running to the Lord and saying, God, please, I just need this thing. I need this thing. I need this thing. Is it something in your family? Is it something with your kids? Is it something material thing that you desire? Is it something about your work relationship? Is it something about your living situation? Is it something about your relationship status? What is that thing that you can't help but asking God for all the time? And sometimes you even feel guilty because you feel like you're asking him for it too much. But the truth is, when you try to pray and just calmly focus your heart on Jesus, this thing that you want from Jesus keeps welling up inside of you and you become, like the disciples, consumed with it. I think there's seasons in all of our lives where this happens, where there's something that becomes so pressing. It's all we can think about. Like the disciples can only think about bread from Jesus at this time. 
The disciples are absolutely consumed with bread. And so I love what Jesus says in response to the disciples. He says in verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Don't work for food that spoils, but work for food that endures to eternal life. If you're taking notes, the first thing, the disciples absolutely consumed with bread. The second thing, Jesus offers the disciples eternal life instead. Don't work for perishing bread. Work for eternal life. Now, I have to admit that as a Christian person, a lot of times this response from Jesus just kind of goes over my head because I don't put eternal life in the same category as the type of thing that I normally pray for because I feel like eternal life is something that I already have. There was a moment in my life that I came before the Lord, I confessed my sins, I asked Jesus to forgive me, and in that moment, I feel like he gave me eternal life. And so someday, I'm going to die and rise again and have eternal life with Jesus. And so it seems like Jesus is missing the point, right? Sure, give me eternal life, but but I need a new job, right? Sure, I've got eternal life, and I'm grateful, but I need a girlfriend, right? Sure, I need eternal life. I love my eternal life, God. Don't get me wrong, but my family member's sick. I need some healing right now. It feels like eternal life is the thing we always have. And so we come to the Lord with all of these other requests because it feels like we already got this one. It's interesting, we talked about this a little bit last week. In the book of John, eternal life is not just going to heaven when you die. Eternal life is something that starts now and wells up in you and never fades away. Remember we talked to Nicodemus last week who Jesus comes and says, you might be physically alive, but you're spiritually dead. Or you need something to come into you. You need the spirit to come into you and he's going to breathe life into you and this life will grow and grow and grow into eternity. This is John's concept of eternal life. A couple pages before John 6 is John 4 and Jesus meets with a woman at the well and they're having a similar conversation about water in the well versus the type of water that Jesus offers. And this is what Jesus says to this woman. He says in John 4, 13, Everyone who drinks this water in the well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus tells the woman, what you need from me is something to come inside of you and start bubbling into every aspect of your life that someday will be a fountain that overflows into eternal life. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I've come that they might have life and life abundantly. So when Jesus says, I'm offering you eternal life, he's not saying, I'm going to get you to heaven when you die. Jesus is saying, I know you think you want bread, but I've got something much better to give you, more abiding to give you, something that's going to make you more satisfied than even bread can, something that's a better answer to what you truly need. It's something that can step into your life and change you from the inside out in everything. You don't want bread. Trust me. You want this instead. And the disciples kind of start to pick up what Jesus is laying down. They're like, okay, well, well, what do we have to do to do the works that God requires? It's like, okay, good, good. They're getting it. And Jesus says, okay, the work of God is this. Just believe. Believe in me. Believe in the one who has been sent. On him, Jesus says, God has placed his stamp of approval. Believe in me. 
And we read the text, and if we only read that far, you'd be like, oh, good, they got the lesson. They understand it. They just need Jesus. They don't need bread. That's silly. They finally understood. But then they say this. And again, I can't read this without hearing children. <laughs> Jesus says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And so they asked him this. What sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And they start to turn the conversation again towards, you guessed it, bread. And Jesus, we want to, yeah, we want to follow you for sure. Um, just wondering, I'm kind of on the fence, right? They're negotiating. I'm kind of on the fence of whether or not I should follow you. I feel like I need to see something from you. I'm thinking maybe if you showed me a little more of that bread, I might sign on the dotted line. I just need the bread. And we start to realize just how easy it is to get caught in this trap that even though maybe everything in us just wants to want Jesus, if we were honest, we'd say that we want the things that Jesus gives more than we want Jesus himself. And these guys are looking at Jesus in the face and they can't, they can't stop wanting the bread. And as I read this passage this week, I had this image in my mind of, of a state-of-the-art cancer center. That folks who, who were struggling with various levels of, of life-taking cancers could come and receive treatment. A cancer center that had a state-of-the-art oncology uh, center with a surgery unit and a chemotherapy center and a radiation center. Top-notch doctors who can come and assess your needs and get you the treatment you deserve. Pharmacy that's got the chemotherapy pills and all the stuff that can eradicate the disease that's tearing apart your body. And I imagine a line of people coming outside of that pharmacy, one after another, buying Motrin and Tylenol. And all these things that kind of make the pain related with their disease go away. And never taking advantage of the reason that whole center was there in the first place. I imagine an oncologist coming out to these folks in line for Tylenol and saying, Hey, I, the, these medications that you're taking can, can take away some of the pain related. But you know... Back here, we've got all of these different services that can take away the disease that you're facing, that can help eradicate the tumors themselves, the cancer itself, can help you find real healing. If you come back with me or if you enter into this treatment, you'll never need to come again for Tylenol in a sense because you will have true treatment for what really ails you. And I imagine the people looking at the doctor and saying, if I talk to you, can I get a coupon for 50% off my next Motrin? I don't think you see that you've got a need that's bigger than what Tylenol can fix. And you're looking at the person who can satisfy the desires of your heart and take away that which ails you and give you a new life, Jesus says. What's that thing for you? What's that thing that you just keep coming to Jesus for and you have a hard time looking at Jesus because you want this thing from Jesus. 
Is it a kid that's gone wayward? Is it a disease that's hurting you or someone in your family? Is it a longing of your heart that you fear will never be fulfilled? What's the thing that you come to the Lord and say, I, I get it. Eternal life, I get it. To be with you, I get it. Your presence, but... I've got something else that I want from you. I don't just want you. Now, I know it feels like it's kind of trivial because they're talking about bread, but, but at the same time, we need to realize that what they're asking for is food that you need or you'll die. They're asking for the deepest longing of the human heart, basic, basic human sustenance. They come to Jesus, consumed the need for bread. Jesus offers them eternal life and yet the disciples can't see Jesus offer for eternal life because they're so consumed with bread. There's a chance that this good thing that you want from God is blinding you from seeing God himself. So I love what Jesus says to them to kind of break them from this spell in verse 35. It says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He doesn't say, you think you need bread, you actually need me. He says, you think you need bread, I'm what you're looking for. I am the bread that you need. I'm the bread of life. They're consumed with bread. Jesus offers them eternal life. They can't see it. And then Jesus, this is the fourth thing you could write down, tells them, only I can satisfy your cravings. We see a similar sentiment in, I think it's Matthew 6, 33, where Jesus tells the people in the Sermon on the Mount to stop worrying about the basic needs of human life. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. He says, the pagans run after all these things and your God knows that you need them. So, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. He says, the problem is that these things that you desperately want have overshadowed your need your, your perceived need for me, cling to me and I will take care of whatever it is you need to live this life that I've given you. You've got to trust me. Fall into my arms. Let me take control of your life. As I read John chapter six, the biggest thing that I personally take away is this statement. You can write this down. It's a bonus one. Everything you need is, everything you think you need is actually found in Jesus Christ. Everything you think you need is actually found in Jesus Christ. I put this phrase, everything you think you need, on purpose because some of the things that we're talking about, we need, right? They need bread. We need water, right? We need clothes to wear. And yet these are the things that God says, you think you need those things, but you really need me. I am everything that you need. I will sustain everything every desire of your heart. I will give you every good thing. Just come to me, cling to me, abide in me. Let me be everything. And out of the overflow of my relationship with you, I will breathe all of these things that you need into your life. 
This, this statement, I am the bread of life, is an I am statement that John uses seven of over the course of his book. This is the first one. And every time Jesus uses an I am statement, it's like he's hammering this concept over and over again that I am everything. I am the eternal one. I am the one that you need. I am the exclusive one that you need to cling to for everything in your life. He says in John 6, I am the bread of life. He says in John 8, I am the light of the world. He says in John 10, I am the door of the sheep gate and I am the good shepherd. He says in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He says in John 14, I am the way, the truth and the life. He says in John 15, I am the vine. I'm everything. I'm the source of life. I'm the giver of every good thing. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the leader that you need. My voice is the one to listen to. It's all about me. If your vision is fuzzy because you're seeing all the things you want from Jesus, we need to refocus our minds to be able to see him and him alone and trust that every good and perfect gift comes from him. If you're wondering, how do I do that? <laughs> What's the next step? What do I do to, to do this thing God has called me to do? And this passage says, believe in the one he has sent. I think part of believing Jesus is trusting that he will provide the things that you need. Part of it is coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, I need this stuff, but I need you more. Jesus, I want this promotion, but I need you more. Jesus, I want bread to eat, but I need you more. I love you more. You are the source of everything. I only want you. Remind yourself of that day after day after day. Because as part of the human condition, our eyes go after all the shiny things in the world. And they so easily draw away from Jesus and towards the benefits that Jesus provides. I have this memory of the first time I ever tried fasting from food. And I'm thinking a lot about food, and I'm sorry, you go to Mod Pizza after church today. This first time that I thought about, that I fasted from food, it was also my first year of college, and I was walking to campus, and I walked past a res- restaurant with an unappetizing name, Cheese and Stuff, was the name of the restaurant? But as I walked past it, I caught the smell of the bread they were baking in the morning. And it like destroyed me, right? I'd been fasting for probably almost an hour. (laughs) But I was starving, right? I'm thinking about fasting and I'm smelling this bread and I could taste it and I could feel this warm bread. It's all like squishing my hands and I'd been to cheese and stuff. They made good sandwiches. And I was longing for the next time I got to eat and I didn't know how I was gonna make it through the day. And then this prayer like popped into my mind and I, I said to the Lord, God, I, I love food, but I love you more. And I need food, but I need you more. And in that moment of fasting and taking this request to God, I realized what God was trying to do in me. He was trying to, take the focus in my life off of all of these things that I did desperately need and put it back on him as the giver of life, the source of every good thing, the one that every good and perfect gift emanates from. As we continue in our service and we sing and we walk through these elements of our faith, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And if you're in a place right now where your eyes are on so many other things that you want from Jesus, come back to him. Remind yourself that he's the one that you need and remind yourself that anything that you need, he's the one who can give it to you. So trust him with your life. Let me pray for us and then we'll sing together.